My name is Lex Dad, and I'm a local Darug man. We share country up here in the Blue Mountains with the Gundangara people. I'd like to pay respects to our elders, both past and present. I'd like to pay respects to our young people who are our emerging elders. I'd like to pay respects to Pemawianga, Mother Earth, and Father Sky, Biami. And I say in our local Darug language, Warami Mirega Darug Nyura. Welcome, friends, to Darug country and Yanana Budrigumara. May we all walk with good spirit, with patience, humility, and respect for one another. Didgeridgora, and thank you. Hello, I'm Catherine, and this is Zach. Hello. <laughs> That's very exciting. It's, it's very early Sunday morning. It's pouring outside. It's cold. I'm still waking up. Fair enough. <laughs> Hello. Uh, we're the hosts of uh, the new radio show, which uh, is called Paperback Writer. You would have heard that song played just then by the Beatles, uh, a show about all things books. It's uh, going to be a book show for all paperback writers, featuring book reviews, interviews with local Australian and international authors, new releases, literary awards, novel ideas, and a lot of book-related puns. (laughs) (laughs) So it's right up our alley, unfortunately. Sorry, (laughs) sorry, dear listener. Um, and, And Ron's in the studio with us, who plays the Beatles Hour, and he was just telling us a little fact about paperback writer. I'd never actually heard the song before, oh, I'm ashamed to say. I know, but um, <laughs> when we were thinking about names for the show, uh, we, went, <laughs> we went through quite a lot of very bad ones. Um, but then Catherine came up with the idea of paperback, paperback writer and played the song um, in the car, and I was instantly hooked. I thought it was fantastic, um, not just as, a, as a, an intro for our show, but just as a song in general. Yeah, it's great. And what was the story that Ron was telling us? That... I'm going to get it wrong now. <laughs> John Lennon went to an art gallery and... A bookshop. A bookshop. Yeah. And met, and met Yoko Ono there. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that was... And, and, and the, being at the bookshop was part of the inspiration for writing Paperback Writer. Yeah. So that song actually has a pretty critical influence on the future of the Beatles in say, general. And, and <laughs> whether people think that's a good thing or a bad that's thing right. is probably a bit controversial too. Yeah, exactly. So we'll leave that one alone for the yeah. time being. Um, oh, no, we won't go oh into no. it. <laughs> oh, started already. Um, I'll just uh, tell everyone a little bit about, about who we are, I guess. Yeah. Um, so Catherine and Zach, we're a very small social enterprise based in the in the... Hazelbrook in the Blue Mountains. We own a bookshop called Rosie Ravelston Books, and I'll explain a little bit about that name later. Um, we're a couple of avid readers, and we've also got our Labrador to support us in the bookshop. We like to think of her as our quality control expert because she pretty much sniffs every single book that comes into the shop. And person. And customers as well <laughs> from time to time. Do you have treats? No, then pat me. That's right. <laughs> um, we've managed to combine our love of reading with our passion for supporting refugees and asylum seekers, and that's the social enterprise part of the business because we give half of our profits to charities um, that support refugees and asylum seekers. Um, and uh, a couple of the, the the two charities that we work with mainly are the Blue Mountains Refugee Support Group, which is a fantastic organisation based mm-hmm. up here in the mountains, and also a Sydney-based organisation called Amiculous, the Humble Friend Project, uh, which is still a relatively 
a new organization, but they did uh, some fantastic work um, during the uh, COVID lockdowns. Um, so we're really happy to be working with both those organizations. Um, and just a little bit about the name, Rosie Ravelston Books. We get a lot of questions about that. <laughs> um, Catherine's name is not Rosie, by the way. We, we get a lot of people come to the bookshop and, um, and uh, ask, oh, are you Rosie? I think I should just go with it. Rosie's yeah, I think a you cute should. name. Exactly. Yeah. It suits you. <laughs> um, the, the, name, the name Rosie Ravelston actually comes from a George Orwell novel named Keep the Aspidistra Flying. And uh, I think it's fair to say we're both Orwell nerds. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things we, we bonded over very early on when we first met each other. Oh, well, you could say oh, that. Oh, please don't. <laughs> it's too early in the morning. Um, the book is Keep the Aspidistra Flying. And there's two characters in the book, one called Rosemary Waterlow and another called Philip Ravelston. Uh, and essentially their role in the novel is to support the uh, protagonist who is an aspiring writer, uh, aspiring poet. And he gives up a, a very comfortable middle-class job in the, I think, the 20s or 30s um, to pursue his dream to be a full-time poet. Mm. Um, and it's fair to say he faces some significant challenges, as I'm guessing most people who have tried to be full-time poets, <laughs> even now... A paperback poet. Um, no? well, sometimes hardback as well. Hardback, yep. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not the most cheerful of... Well, not that Orwell's books are generally no. cheerful, I suppose. <laughs> um, but it, but it, the Aspidistra, it's it's the it's that plant, the, the cast iron plant. And yeah, it's, it's, a plant, it's, it's almost impossible to kill. I yeah, mean, we have one in our shop and we haven't killed it yet. Which no, is we're doing a pretty good job though. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're testing it out. Um, but apparently it was uh, back in the day in the UK, it was a symbol of a comfortable middle class life essentially to have an Aspidistra. Um, flying in your uh, in the window of your your um, little semi-detached house. Yeah. Um, but essentially, those two characters, Rosie and Ravelston, their their role throughout the book is to support this this poet, despite how much uh, how painful um, he becomes to them. So, and we just really like the idea of naming our bookshop after a couple of characters who support aspiring writers, mm-hmm. um, and that's partly why we have a little publishing business uh, on the side yeah mm. so we we're running this show every first and third sunday of the month mm. from eight to ten uh and then we we're actually heading down to our bookshop so if you want to come by if you want to brave this rain uh come down and say hello we're inside uh, naughty studio so not naughty as in i'm waggling my finger but i'm realizing yeah, that doesn't really work on no radio, it doesn't Kat. you're so naughty naughty is a nautical so n-a-u-t-i so it's the co-working space uh down in hazelbrook mm-hmm. although some people think it's cow irking space because there isn't a hyphen yep. <laughs> um so yeah we're there on on uh friday saturday sunday 10 to 4 come by and say hi it's nice and warm <laughs> we'll have the kettle on yeah it's give us give us some tips on how to actually do radio properly more, more than welcome <laughs> more puns um yeah and look we're also really proud to be sponsors of radio blue mountains Definitely. as well um, this is a uh, another great organization in the mountains and we love being a part of the the blue mountains community um and yeah we're really excited to have this show um should we yeah. play a bit of music yeah i think so i i, I guess just to say as well we, you know we're wanting to get um a bunch of local authors in hmm. uh, to interview um you know this is our first show so we're, we'll, <laughs> we're not that organized this week um but we'll get as some, you can probably tell <laughs> uh get get some uh, authors and do some interviews uh you know book news book awards you know what and you know talking about uh what we're reading as well um especially yeah good and especially bad because i always love having a good rant about a book if you know if you don't like it <laughs> um yeah so so let's play some music um yeah Paperback. 
Hello, welcome back. You're listening to Paperback Writer, the smooth sounds of Catherine and Zach. Paperback Writer. It's going to be in your head all day now. Yeah, it is. Um, you just listened to Next Year, some earlier stuff, well, their third album, I think, by the Foo Fighters, uh, and Natalie Press, Hot for the Mountain, um, who I think she's American. Um, uh, North American, I'm pretty sure. I don't know, maybe Canadian or from the US, but... <clears throat> I don't know that much about her, but I know that I just love that song. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I, I, that was, uh, I was, heard that song for the first time, actually just driving. I remember almost exactly driving out of Melbourne on the Hume Highway, uh, and I heard it on the radio. I thought, wow, this is amazing. I, I, I mm. love this song. Um, I've listened to a bit of her other stuff, and she's pretty good. She's got some good stuff, but this is by far and away my, my favourite song. It's just got a beautiful, beautiful sound, beautiful rhythm to yeah. it as well. We've got some very different music coming up today. We're going to be talking about books we like in a second, as well as um, poetry, uh, poetry we like, and uh, musicians that are poets, all that kind of thing. Um, but I was just looking at our playlist and thinking... It's pretty random. It's pretty random. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dolly Parton's coming up. Uh, we've got Blur. We've got... <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good one. Yeah. Um, so stay with us, because you'll never know what's coming. Um, all right, well, let's talk about books. So I'm, I know I spoke about Ursula Le Guin last week. But ever since I have read read The Dispossessed, I'm, I don't want to say obsessed, infatuated, maybe, mm. uh, with, with her writing. And so I've read another one since, and thanks, Alex, for lending me this. So The Lathe of Heaven, um, which according to our big sci-fi fans, uh, this is one of their nerds. F- nerds. Well, yeah, uh, you know what? Well, then I'm a nerd too. Oh, bec- nerd. Yeah. yeah. It, oh, it's, she's brilliant. So... Um, for those that didn't listen last week, I was uh, the, the Dispossessed was the first one I read, um, which is a, about um, two different political systems, so a, a planet that's anarchist and a planet that's capitalist, and someone from the planet uh, full of anarchists goes to the capitalist society for the first time anyone's travelled, um, you know, w- between the planets really and communicated and been part of that society and just looks at how ridiculous capitalism is. So, you know, the idea of the political systems and looking at it with fresh eyes it was really really clever and 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 that's the same with this book so this is the lathe of heaven um and it's it's a really interesting one in that it uh i mean she's always i want to say she's always political this is only her second book i've read but so you know a hundred percent of the books i've read (laughs) statistically she's always political um and and i was looking at um some of the stuff, uh, the, the New York Times saying um, it was a, a rare and powerful synthesis of poetry and science, reason and emotion. Um, so basically the story is there's a man and they all think he's you know, mentally ill because he's terrified to dream. And this is set in the future, um, and you know, I won't go too much into that, uh, and he, he believes Sounds that... Like Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, no, that one where the, if you dream, Freddy Krueger comes and gets you. Well, this is even more terrifying, I think, in that when he dreams, he changes reality. But it's not like Whoa. it's not like I'll have a dream and I'll dream that um, you know the rain stops mm. because then when I wake up, you'll you'll never know that it's been raining. Does that make sense? Sort of, yeah. So it changes everyone else's reality, and the only person who knows is, is this character, George Orr, which you know some say is a shout-out to George Orwell. Mm. Um, and he's a very sort of, I guess, plain, mild-mannered man. Uh, and uh, you know he's terrified to dream because things change. And so I think in an example he uses once, he says, if, you, if I have a dream about a pink dog, 
everyone will know that there has always been pink dogs and he'll be the only one who'll realize that the pink dogs are new and so he's just going out of his mind as you can imagine and so he's referred to a psychiatrist Mm. the psychiatrist realizes what's happening and thinks (laughs) "Mm." crazy no doesn't think crazy thinks let's use this for good but his idea of what's good is (laughs) questionable and i won't say too much more because i think you know it, it gives it away but it's really interesting because it, it sort of talks about positivism. Uh, it, it looks at alternative realities. It's critical of behaviorism. Um, it, it talks. It, it's critical of utilitarianism. Um, it, it looks at eugenics. Honestly, it's, wow. it's and it's look how short it I was is. About to say how thick is this book? And that's what I think is amazing. So much happened in such. A, I mean, you could even probably call it a novella mm. um, in such a short time, and you really get an idea of you know this mild-mannered man who who hates this. I guess power he has, mm. and he's every time he dreams things change and and you know you sort of see this psychiatrist try and change it for the better but i mean what's better and you know it it examines power and control and it examines um you know i guess uh racism so many things wow a little bit of everything yeah that's one of the things uh i always find interesting um about the idea of dystopian societies and utopian societies Mm. that everyone Utopia, the idea of a utopian society sounds amazing until you ask someone what that looks like. <laughs> and then you find out that it's actually quite different from your idea of a utopian society. Yep. And one person's version of utopia is another person's version of dystopia. Well, um, and definitely, and I don't want to say too much because I feel like I could have given it away, but, mm. you know, thinking about, I mean, the back page, but as ambition gets the better of ethics. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, what you think might be a great, society and it's sort of like you know when you have a genie and you say what's your wish you have to be very very mm. very specific <laughs> about what the what the wish is going to be because another 1000 wishes well, that's yes. the obvious one well yeah but then what uh oh good question <laughs> pink dogs you do you need to no rain that, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing if you word it even slightly yeah. i suppose incorrectly yeah the, the consequences dangerous it is yeah, wow. um so amazing. i would I would definitely recommend it. I mean, I was on Goodreads rating it as 4.5, but now talking about it, I'm, I'm moving it up to a five. Ooh, wow. I've done too many fives, five stars lately. <laughs> I've just been too excited. I've just read so many good books. Um, but I think even after The Dispossessed, um, which, you know, was the first one I read of hers, it's, it's comparable. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, she's, she's absolutely brilliant. I'll try and read some other stuff so I'm not, this isn't just Catherine talking about Le Guin every week. Yeah, I have a feeling we're going to hear a bit more about Ursula Le Guin over the next few shows, Probably. though, which, is, which by the sounds of it is not a problem. Um, <laughs> I, I've just started The Dispossessed myself, actually. So, um, yeah, well, well, I think we'll end up making this the Ursula Le Guin show at some stage. Oh, so. that sounds good. <laughs> well, actually, at Book Club, we, we had a couple of, uh, I'll say it, sci-fi nerds, and we just talked about Le Guin. And actually, you know what? Doris Lessing wrote sci-fi. Yeah, I'm still trying to come to terms with that. Doris Lessing. Yeah. And I'd never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Doris Lessing, the Australian author, who's famous for her, I want to say, journals, diaries? Uh, well, she wrote non-fiction and fiction. Yeah, so, but she's not but famous not for sci-fi. sci-fi at all. No, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and, and apparently it's brilliant. So I really want to get that um, yeah. for myself, but for the shop as well, because I yeah. think it sounds really interesting. But yeah, we just nerded out about um, various you know, sci-fi and fantasy novels and yeah, Le Guin for a long time. <laughs> yeah, cool. That sounds good. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying The Dispossessed already, so I'm keen yeah. to, to see how that ends up. Definitely. Uh, so I wanted to have a chat about, uh, well, actually, it's probably not that different. I, and come, come to think of it, all three of our books seem to be quite political today for one reason or another. Actually, but that's true. Yeah. 
and maybe it's the headspace we've been in lately with the after the federal election and everything but uh, i have read a book called the ragged trousered philanthropists which is a bit of a mouthful um it's actually a graphic novel adoption of the ragged trousered philanthropist which was originally written by robert tressel and i believe this was written in the very early 20th century so around 1910 something along those lines 1920 and uh, according to some of the reviews I've read, it's uh, described as being the socialist novel. Um, <laughs> the, with a capital T. Yeah, exactly. And apparently uh, writers like Orwell and the like, uh, they claim that they were inspired by this book as well. It's got quite an interesting history to it, but essentially uh, the, a couple of um, writers and illustrators, Scarlett and Sophie Ricard, have turned the book into a graphic novel and I don't really read graphic novels very often, but... You said that last week. I know, week. I, just, I just remember that. <laughs> so it's that. just a show about politics and graphic novels and Ursula Le Guin. Pretty much. <laughs> um, we do read more <laughs> different things from this, but Yeah, anyway. that's right. Uh, and it is, it is very much a, uh, a, a love letter to socialism, um, which I think is quite interesting because, in, in my personal opinion, it shows uh, potentially some of the positives of the concept of socialism, but also... Unintentionally, I think it also demonstrates some of the negatives of the concept of socialism too, which is interesting. But it, is, it especially does a really good job of describing what conditions were like mm. um, based in the UK uh, during the early part of the 20th century in terms of the differences between uh, the wealthy and the working class um, and also uh, conflict between the people who saw themselves as being in the middle. So they aspired to be wealthy and... Uh, didn't really want to have anything to do with, with the working classes as well. There's, it's an interesting mm. um, commentary on society. And one of the things I have realised from reading this is that uh, it feels as though not a lot has changed mm. in the course of 100 years. Oh, that's hopeful. Um, in a bad way, you mean? Well, yes and no. Some, some things have definitely improved, which is good, but um, some things still resonate today. Um, and it's it's... I won't go into too much detail about it, but if you're interested in the concept of the book, I, I do suggest uh, going online and, and finding out a little bit about it because originally the the original manuscript that the author wrote, he threw it in the fire because he wasn't oh. happy with it. And I think his wife at the time rescued it out of the fire and hid it away. Oh, and it was only published after he died. Oh. Uh, apparently, I think he tried to get it published and it, no one was interested and he threw it in the fire. And, oh. Yeah, and there's a whole background, uh, and some of it is inspired by his real life and experiences that he had. It's um, it's a really interesting background to the novel. Um, I mean, even the title's great, isn't it? The Ragged Trousered Philanthropist. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and, it, I mean, it, it does a pretty good job of summing up um, what, what the book's about. But mm. it's, it's a really interesting read, um, re- regardless of your uh, political position. I think it's... Yeah, it's worth checking out. It's beautifully illustrated. I'm it just is. looking at it, you know, across the table now. It's it's really well done. Yeah, the illustrations are, are, are fantastic. Um, I've noticed all the rich people happen to be uh, overweight <laughs> and wearing top hats. And all the I've noticed all the sort of working class people they have those cheese cutter hats they on, do. don't they? Yep, yep. So, so or, or they're hipsters. We're not sure. Yeah, well, that's right. Well, exactly. <laughs> are they smoking it, it applies pipes? To, yes, they are. <laughs> it applies today. And drinking coffee. And anchor tattoos. So, or tea, maybe. But I, no, I didn't see any anchor tattoos. All right. Um, but, but it's still yeah. relevant today, then. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we play some music? Because I, I definitely want to keep talking about books, right. but I'm aware. Well, especially this next song coming oh, up. And I'm really excited to be playing Dolly Parton. Why'd you come in here looking like that? Followed by Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash. 
you long-legged guitar-picking man. Yeah, I think we might let them do the singing. <laughs> Paperback uh, so you just listened to Dolly, although um, Zach was just saying he wouldn't have chosen that Dolly song. I, I don't know why. <laughs> Working I think it's nine to five. But it's Sunday. What a way. Yeah, you want to be lying in bed on a Sunday thinking, oh, I don't have to go to work today. I don't have to do my nine yeah, to five. Yeah, but it'll remind you nine to five. Oh, that's tomorrow. See, that's the thing. You well, want to be in bed. that's how our capitalist society works, Catherine. You should be thinking about work all the time. Are your trousers ragged, Zach? Where's um, your cheese cutter? Well... No. <laughs> but I sometimes give money to charities. I'm sort of a th- philanthropist. You're a what? Philanthropist. <laughs> Let's keep talking. Anyway. I just hit some microphones. Let's keep talking about books. I have also just read John Lang- Lanchester, The Wall. You've read this one too, right? I think. Yes, I have. Yeah. So he's a... I think he was born in Germany, raised in Hong Kong, but then moved to England. So I think he's the, the Brits have claimed him as their own. Yeah, uh, and he's written a few books actually, hasn't he? I, we've got Capital, I know we've had yep. in this shop, and he's written a few more. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so I think I think this is his fifth novel, um, and again, it is political, um, <laughs> not deliberate. I just have been working through <laughs> my way through books, um, but basically, it is a, a world in the future where climate change has stuffed up everything. Um, so it's now. Well, it's it's it's, On its, it's tomorrow. Tomorrow, <laughs> yeah, next year. Um, Is it raining incessantly? No, but it's very cold. Oh, okay. Very, very, very cold. Uh, so basically, they've they've built a giant wall around the UK uh, to stop the others in inverted commas mm-hmm. coming in, and every young person ha- is conscripted to to be part of this. I don't know, I don't think they say war, but basically, you know, it's from the point of view of, of, of Kavanaugh, uh, and he has to be on the wall. And so a big part of that is standing around and looking at the ocean and making sure that no one's trying to come into the UK. Mm. Um, so Good. they're coming... There's some sort of conflict, we assume, that's been going on as well, uh, to, to do with climate change. Well, and, and resources. Kind of yeah, There's exactly. no resources. And yeah. so they're trying to... It's not... It's, it's, you know, the keep the boat people out kind of thing, but it's yeah. even more so um, than now. Yeah. And to be very clear, <laughs> that is not what I think. Keep the boat people out. I know. I like how you did it like that. that. That was me being dumb. Yeah. Keep them out. I think, I think if people, anyone knows that we support the Blue Mountains Refugee Support Group and Amiculus, um, yeah. I'm pretty sure they know that we are not too keen on keep the boats out. Yeah. And it is legal to seek asylum, as we know. Yes. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, just but, th- th- welcome to the Books and Politics show. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I, okay, next, next uh, the, in a fortnight, we're going to pick books that have absolutely nothing to do with politics. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> um, anyway, so he's on this wall, and it's, it's as I said, it's all the way around the UK, and he's got a gun, and he's been trained to use it, and he's freezing cold, and, and the shifts are 12 hours long, and he just has to look out at the water, make sure no one comes by boat. And if they do, he has to shoot them. And the interesting part... Um, if if anyone does manage to get over the wall, then the people who should be defending the wall, so Kavanaugh, they take their place and they're mm. sent out into the ocean. So if someone gets over, well, then you go and you're sent out, which is pretty, I don't know, it's, it's terrifying. It doesn't really seem fair to me, but... Well, it's, uh, it's quite an incentive, isn't it? <laughs> well, it certainly is. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and so two, two years, two years mm. on this wall. And I don't want to say not much happens, but, you know, I think a lot of the time is just standing there and trying to stay alert and trying to stay awake. And, you know, it, it's freezing, freezing, freezing cold, especially with the wind. So is this everyone who is currently living in 
the UK in this scenario has to do two years on the no, wall. No, so the young ones. So uh, in, the, in the book, he hates his parents and everyone mm. hates the older generation because they know that they're the ones that could have stopped like the change they call mm. it uh, but basically climate change and now the world is stuffed there's not enough resources it's really cold it's awful yeah. and so there's this sort of resentment against the older generation uh, you know to you know you could have stopped it and you didn't so mm. now everyone's conscripted um, and it, it's it's really uh, it says on the back John Lanchester's thrilling hypnotic new novel is about why the young are right to distrust the old it's about a broken Ouch. world you will recognise as your own and about what might be found when all is lost. I really enjoyed it. I thought, I mean, it was a bit, the main character, <laughs> and I know he's supposed to be a little bit, I mean, then again, I look at, I'll finish my sentence. I was going to say, um, I know he's supposed to be a little bit boring, but I mean, in The Lathe of Heaven, George Orr was a bit boring, but you still felt allied with him, whereas Kevin, I was like, oh, I don't care. Put him out to ocean. No, I'm not like. I well, it's fair to say though. I think that he's embittered and cynical, and you know, it's it's probably hard to come back from a position like that. Yeah, um, that's fair. And I, I'm not sure if the writer could have really done a lot more to make the character that sympathetic, necessarily, given yeah. the circumstances that he he finds himself in. That's fair. Um, but yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I'm not I'm not quite sure. I would use the word hypnotic. Yeah, uh, to describe the book. I think that's quite an odd choice yeah, of words. Yeah, I, I agree. But um, it is it is well written and it's it's quite descriptive too, I think. Um, you d- you definitely get the feeling that you're standing on the wall, uh, mm. feeling cold yeah. and terrified about what might be coming and what might happen if you don't do your job and mm. all, all that kind of thing. Yeah, it, it's, if he's lucky, if nothing goes wrong, he only has two years of this, 729 more nights, yeah. 12 hours. Not that he's counting. Oh my gosh! But you, what would you do? You, you, like you can't read a book because you've got to keep watching the ocean, making sure there are no others. Yeah, that's um, right. And you know, he kind of gets to the point where he says, "Well, it wouldn't it be interesting if something happened? Because even if I had yeah. to fight for my life, it would be better than this monotony." Which yeah. is sort of says a lot for how you know you'd get in your own head a little bit, wouldn't you? Yeah, because you're you not would. with the people; you're on your own, on your outpost, just yep. standing there, twelve hours, yeah. freezing cold. Yeah, um, yeah. That I, I does would, not sound like fun. <laughs> it really doesn't. Mm. He doesn't have a choice, though. So yeah, John Lanchester, The Wall. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, obviously, it's no Le Guin, <laughs> but um, I thought it was a really, yeah, really interesting book. Yeah, and so you, would you be interested in reading more John Lanchester? I think I would. I think. <laughs> see, I struggle reading books when. I can't sympathise much with the main character. Mm, yep. That's why I, and this is controversial, but Sally Rooney, beautiful writer, oh, but no. I couldn't stand Don't it. start on I Sally Rooney. I hated everyone. Poor Sally Rooney. I, I need to have, even if it's a villain, but I can sympathise with them and, you know, that's fine with me. But I was just like, oh. Whereas this one, I don't know. I, I was kind of thinking, oh, I hope something does happen because he's a bit whiny, <laughs> <laughs> which is really awful because I would be such a whinger if I was on the wall. I'd say, I'm tired. Yeah. I'm cold. Yeah. After about the first 10 minutes. Oh, not even that. Yeah. Give yeah. me a minute. <laughs> I'm hungry. Wow. You'd be, you'd be ripping into the older generation. Oh, within, yeah. Yeah. Within a couple of minutes of being on the wall, I think. Um, yeah. No, it's, it, is, it is an interesting book. And again, if you're interested in that kind of dystopian yeah. uh, type of writing and issues mm. around... Um, people treating um, others as not being like them. Um, it's definitely definitely worth a read, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I, I definitely recommend it. And I, I think I would check out his other stuff yeah. um, because it, it definitely held my attention and it was really easy to read. Yeah. You know, you could sort of pick it up and put it down. You didn't need to focus too much because there weren't, you know, a huge array of characters or, you know, anything like that. So, yeah, well, yeah I'd recommend it. Um, I think we should play a song. Paperback Rises. 
Welcome back. And before those ads in the news, you heard In My Secret Life by the legendary Leonard Cohen. I thought I recognised that voice. I love him. Mm. He's he's it's he's just he's amazing. It's funny though that did you hear the the lyrics? I I didn't sort of realise that song was political. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, gosh, there's a theme. Um, you know. We're always going to play Leonard in our shows. We we grew up listening to Leonard Cohen. Um, as my mum texted in and said, "If you're talking about poetry, you better talk about Leonard." Other kids were listening to Barbara Black Sheep. You were listening to "I'm Your Man," <laughs> which is true. I have, I have a very important question for you, though. Um, how many cigars and how much whiskey does it take to get a voice like that? Oh, and you know the best part. It just got better the older he got. <laughs> if you go back and listen to his really early stuff from the I, early 60s... I don't recognise his no. young voice. It's crazy. I mean, you you can still hear it's him, but you have to sort of double take. Yeah. And then his final album, um, you know, that was released after he died, um, it's just, oh, it's so husky and... Uh, Oh, I love him. He's fantastic. We were lucky enough. Um, as I said, my mum uh, is a huge fan. All our, our family is really, um, but mum especially. And we went actually and saw his last show on tour uh, in Auckland. And it was, gosh, he's amazing. He, when, when the other musicians did solos, he'd actually take off his hat and hold it to his chest and listen to them and look at them. Wow. And sort of, you know, honouring them and their, their yeah. abilities and... And he's funny. Uh, anyway, this isn't a. <laughs> I could rant for a long time, but he's um, he's funny and he's he's clever and he's deep and he's cheeky and I, I just think he's absolutely fantastic. So um, yeah, Leonard Cohen, which you know does lead to, you know, musicians who are also poets. And I mean, he Leonard Cohen was a was a poet long. I don't know how long before, but before mm. he was a musician and before he put it to music. Um, so he's got a whole bunch of uh, books of poetry. I've got a book of longing here which uh, penguin books actually did as well um but he's got he's got a lot of them and i just think they're brilliant he has little illustrations and um musings and some of them are really deep and mm. challenging and some of them are funny i've just opened this up um, i thought maybe i'll read a short one it's called the lovesick monk i shaved my head i put on robes i sleep in the corner of a cabin 6500 feet up a mountain it's dismal here the only thing i don't need is a comb <laughs> I think it's really funny. (laughs) (laughs) That's the end. Okay. Uh, No, but the thing is, then he has beautiful ones about love and passion and God and poetry and, um, uh, yeah, he's he's fantastic. And I'd highly recommend, um, you know, checking out his poetry and even listening listening to it in his his concerts, and we'll play one in a little bit, uh, he actually will read parts of um, Mm. his poetry. And, oh, gosh, that voice. Is, is it weird that I have a crush on him? He's probably three times my age. Uh, well, it's weird because he's dead, but <laughs> apart from that, that... I mean, that's problematic, but um, <laughs> but before that, oh, yeah. he's just a gentleman. I don't think you're the only person in the world who has a crush on Leonard. I think I think that's a pretty big community, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Um, Everyone's is jealous of Marianne. Is there, is there something about musicians and music that lends itself to poetry do you think because there are a lot of musicians who also dabble in poetry well i think dabble is an understatement Mm. i think i mean if you think about sort of patty smith Mm -hmm. uh you know she was a poet before she um you know but before she put it to music and i mean i guess that was quite a big thing in her day of of you know being a poet that becomes a musician rather than the other way around um and and we'll play some of her stuff later um i actually had a look at (laughs) The, the name of the article, 19 renowned poetress who do proper poetry. Ooh. And it, it's, it's proper poetry. It, proper poetry. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. It's not, not, not just, you know, having a go. And so it's got um, L- L- John Lennon released um, some stuff, but his was very, um, 
I want to say Shakespearean. I'm sure there's a better word, but you know, using that. Um, help me out here. You know that old school language. Old. Uh, what, sorry, what are you talking about? Old school language. John Lennon. He he published poetry, but it's yeah. it's sort of the you know the Shakespearean time language. Oh, okay. Oh, oldie, oldie English. Yeah, yeah, ye, ye oldie English. Ye oldie English. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, James Blake. A PJ Harvey, oh, Polly PJ. Jean. Speaking of crushes, yeah. Speaking of crushes, yeah. I know. Um, PJ Harvey uh, has a. Uh, she wrote a poet, poetry based on her travels in war torn countries, more political. And actually, her songs are very political. Um, and and it has, uh, yeah, it has some amazing poetry. Go see her live if you can. We'll try and, try and play some of her stuff lately. She's so talented. Um, Tom Waits, Kurt Cobain, of course, Leonard Cohen. Um, Patty Smith. I mean, there's a lot here. Tupac. Tupac so, Shakur. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he was a dab hand with a pen writing radical poetry that tackled poverty, racism, and romance. Sample. Did you hear about the rose that grew from a crack in the concrete? Proving nature's law is wrong, it learned to walk without having feet. Okay. Do you, want, do you want a beatbox? No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> Pete Doherty, Art Garfunkel. <laughs> Lou Reed. I mean, th- th- there's actually quite a lot of people here. Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins. Did you, did you happen to say Art Garfunkel? <laughs> I did happen to say Art Garfunkel. Oh, oh that's, a, that's a great little... Uh... Segue. <laughs> so we've been trying to name our show. So this is, our, of course, Paperback Writer. Uh, this is not Spiritual Connections as the um, website currently shows. I think that's <laughs> the uh, the other show on the, the second hey, Sundays. I'm having a spiritual connection to Leonard. Absolutely. And his music. I always do. Um, but speaking of a name for our show that we're looking to do on Mondays. Yeah, so the, they, there was an art show um, that unfortunately had to um, couldn't keep going. And so we've been asked to talk about books and art. And we were thinking about good names because we didn't want to just say, you know, books and books and art or, you know. And I wish we had. <laughs> I know. And we were, were a little bit overtired thinking about <laughs> names and puns. Uh, and, and the best we came up with. <laughs> yeah. Was Don't stop there. Was Art Book Funkle. Well, that's, yeah, I know, and you should laugh. But but that's not the best one because, in my opinion, the best one when we came up with Books and Art Funkle. But, so but Art. I play on Simon and Garfunkel. Art Garfunkel. His name is Art, so you've got to use that. Art but Garfunkel. Garfunkel. Art Funkel. Art Book Funkle. Okay, I, th- I, I actually don't think there's much point. Um, having this discussion because of the fact that they're both terrible names, <laughs> as everyone who we've suggested it to has, has mentioned to us. I know. I think people's reaction is generally, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, sure. um, Speaking of which, we, people can actually text in, can't they? So please. They can. If you've um, got ideas for our books and art show. It'll be, it, it'll be, it's a, just a short show, so we'll, we'll maybe interview some local artists, talk about what's happening in the Blue Mountains. And please let us know if you can come up with a better name than Art and Books Funkle or Books and Art Funkle, and I'm sure that's not going to be a challenge. <laughs> it makes me think of Fun Uncle, a Funkle. Funkle. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you're you're an uncle. I am an uncle. So, so you're yeah. the funkle. I like to think of myself as a funkle. So. Um, going back to poetry, Jim Morrison, Please. Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins, Serge Tankian from System of a Down, love him. Yeah. Joni Mitchell, obviously, and Henry Rollins from Black Flag. Oh, Henry. Um, nice. Rumstein. The the you remember that Duhast bash? I do. Yeah. I do. The the front man and the the photo is quite funny. Apparently, they released uh, till. Till Lindemann uh, released some music, Roger Waters from Pink Floyd, and David Berman from, uh, he was in the Silver Jews. Um, yeah, so there's, there's heaps of, um, and I mean, look, I, 
I, I don't know if we have enough time for me to talk about Patty Smith's uh, Just Kids and M Train and, and her her books, but um, you know that's a whole show right there. Oh, it really is, isn't it? Um, and and uh, Annie DeFranco, Annie DeFranco. Arnie, well, I I my understanding is Annie DeFranco, but yeah, Annie DeFranco. Arnie DeFranco. Um, you know, she she's uh, re- you know released some poetry as well. So wh- why don't we listen to Leonard just as on its own? So this is a thousand kisses deep. Oh, close your eyes. Listen to this. I just think he's, oh, he's. What's that Rumpelstiltskin? And he weaves the gold out of straw. Yeah. That's this. That's that's what Leonard does with words. He creates gold out of straw, out of words. I mean, I mean you make it sound terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't the one weaves, who said it. He weaves gold. He he just yeah. treasure. Magic. Okay, let's yeah. just play. It's, and it's alchemy. Oh, I like that. Yeah. This is a thousand kisses deep, and this is the wonderful Leonard Cohen. You came to me this morning and you handled me like meat. You'd have to be a man to know how good that feels, how sweet. My mirrored twin, my next of kin, I'd know you in my sleep. And who but you would take me in a thousand kisses deep. I loved you when you opened like a lily to the heat. You see, I'm just another snowman standing in the rain and sleet who loved you with his frozen love, his secondhand physique, with all he is and all he was, a thousand kisses deep. I know you had to lie to me I know you had to cheat To pose all hot and high Behind the veils of sheer deceit Our perfect porn aristocrat So elegant and cheap I'm old but I'm still into that A thousand kisses deep I'm good at love, I'm good at hate It's in between I freeze Been working out but it's too late It's been too late for years (laughs) But you look good, you really do They love you on the street If you were here I'd kneel for you A thousand kisses deep The autumn moved across your skin Got something in my eye A light that doesn't need to live and Doesn't need to die A riddle in the book of love Obscure and obsolete Till witnessed here in time and blood A thousand kisses deep And I'm still working with the wine Still dancing cheek to cheek The band is playing old Lang Syne But the heart will not retreat I ran with Diz I sang with Ray I never had their sweep But once or twice they let me play A thousand kisses deep I loved you when you opened like a lily to the heat 
You see, I'm just another snowman standing in the rain and sleep who loved you with his frozen love, his secondhand physique, with all he is and all he was, a thousand kisses deep. But you don't need to hear me now, and every word I speak it counts against me anyhow, a thousand kisses deep. Thanks a lot, James. Okay. Oh, he's wonderful. Wow, what a, what a way to wake up on a Sunday morning. Oh, he's just... <coughs> And, and, I mean, that was, I think, his Live in London show. Mm. Um, so, I mean, he was... Th- oh, that the audience that. appreciated it. Oh, and he, he'll, he'll, he'll do that in his shows, too. He'll, mm. he'll break into his poetry. And mm. I, I just think he's amazing. I mean, his, his poetry, but his poetry and his music, I mean, ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Yeah, wow. He's just... Uh, I, you know, I, I, could, I could rant for a long time, yeah. but... Um, I think I it's fair to say a lot of his songs are just genuinely poetic as well. They the, are. The way he writes his, his lyrics. But they're, they're, they're funny and they're political. Mm. Like, he, he really, um, you know, I, I don't know, he, he puts his, I was going to say he puts his suffering into his music, which sounds a bit strange, but, you know, he's really real, I think. Um, you know, there's no, there's no pretense with him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, a huge, huge fan. And we um, just got a message from uh, Michelle who said that she literally just woke up to Leonard Cohen. Gosh, what a so way to wake up. With the rain, You're welcome. The rain pouring down. <laughs> Leonard Cohen. Um, and, and yeah, th- as, as, as we said before, you know, um, a lot of musicians that are poets. So Patti Smith. I've got her book, Babel. I think she's written a lot more than that. Um, and yeah, Just Kids is her autobiography and I'd highly recommend it. It's one of my favourite books ever. Uh, and it's... Um, and look, I didn't know a lot about Patti Smith before uh, I read this. I mean, I knew she was sort of an, a rocker and she was, you know, very, I don't know, I want to say punk, you know, that kind of <coughs> the idea of being punk yeah. and just being raw and real. Sure. Um, and, yeah, and, and it's, it's, she's a beautiful writer, absolutely beautiful writer. And yeah. so it's her autobiography, but only half of it. So the first is Just Kids and then the second is M Train. Um, so Just Kids is, is her living with Robert Mapplethorpe. Do you mm-hmm. know him? I do. The artist, yeah. yeah. And um, Once you've seen some of his work, you don't forget it very quickly. Yeah, a little bit controversial. <laughs> um, and, and just, you know, being a poet and being an artist and trying to make it work and, of course, mm. being poor and everything else. Mm-hmm. She's just such a great writer. Um, and, of course, she, you know, then applied her poetry to music. And, I mean, mm. for me, Gloria is, is, is the epitome of, you know, Patti Smith and... Um, you know, oh, I love her. And, and Annie DeFranco as well. We'll play some of her, um, one of her songs in a little bit as well. Um, yeah. Cool. Sounds good. Poetry and music. Speaking of poetry, <coughs> there's a couple of things I'd like to just talk about. One, uh, I think we mentioned on the, the trial show we did earlier on uh, Monday this week, um, Rosie Ralston Books, uh, sponsors of Radio Blue Mountains, um, and also the Blue, Blue Mountains Creative Arts Network are running a competition for writers, poets, and illustrators. So the theme of this competition is Regenesis. It's um, open only to Blue Mountains residents. 
Uh, and the point is to uh, really encourage Blue Mountains writers and poets and, and illustrators and, and artists in general to think about the theme of regenesis, um, rebuilding, um, looking after a, a damaged planet. There's a, there's a bunch of different themes that kind of revolve around the central idea of regenesis. And if, if you can go to our to our uh, website or to the Blue Mountains Creative Arts Network website, you can find out a bit more information about what uh, regenesis means. But uh, as part of Winter Magic this year, which is which is back, um, which is fantastic, uh, this competition will be announcing the winners at, at uh, an event um, during Winter Magic. We'll be having a chat to the winner. So the winner of the poetry competition, the winner of the short story competition, and the winner of the illustration competition. Um, they'll also receive $200 each. Uh, we'll be publishing their work in an anthology um, and we'll also be promoting their work through our social media and through the Blue Mountains Creative Arts Network social media pages as well. Uh, we still have, uh, I think it's a couple of weeks to get entries in. Um, let's see, yeah, 15th of July, entries close. Uh, the event itself will be on the 28th of August uh, during Winter Magic at the Blue Mountains Cultural Centre in Katoomba. So anyone who's listening out there, if you live in the Blue Mountains and you're uh, interested in writing or illustrating, um, if you've got some artwork as well uh, that can go into the, the illustration and the, the drawing side of the competition, feel free to submit uh, um, a, a photo of that. Um, yeah, get, get your entries in in the next couple of weeks um, and hopefully uh, we've already received quite a lot. Um, so I think we're going to get some, some really good entries and I think the, the winners are going to be uh, certainly highly deserve um, the, the recognition. Mm. So um, yeah, go to rosierelvestonbooks.com or to uh, bmcan.com.au. Uh, which is the Blue Mountains Creative Arts Network website for more information. And I think there's on the events page for Radio Blue Mountains as well. There's, there's a link. So That's right. uh, if you're already listening on the page, there should be on, on the events, there should be yep. something there as well. Exactly. It's so, it's so great to, not, you know, not just be published, but also to get some money and, mm. and have that, um, you know. Recognition. Pe- yeah. Yeah, that's right. I'm really excited to, to, to read it, to to see what what's coming in. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a, a, a really good um, a really a really good competition. And I think the the event itself is going to be great too. We're going to have a local band, um, Antelope, mm-hmm. um, also playing uh, at the event too, which will be good. And they've they've actually come up with a song on the theme of Regenesis too. Ah, I love that. Which will be great. Actually, we'll probably get them in here as well. Uh, I think we will. The at some person stage. to interview uh, who, whoever wins to, to come. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have an opportunity to, to do that for sure. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, poetry and, and creativity, I, w- I was thinking about um, Evelyn Araluen. Have, have I said that right? Uh, I think that's a pretty good effort, yeah. Yeah, but she won the Stella Prize, a poetry book. Well, it's poetry and short stories, I think. Yep. Won the Stella Prize this year, which is actually pretty um, pretty huge. Well, so the Stella Prize is the prize for uh, best um, fiction by an Australian female writer. And actually, I found this out um, from my friend <laughs> Madison the other day. It, the Miles Franklin... Was a is, is kept being the Miles of Franklin Award was to anyone in Australia, an Australian writer, mm-hmm. uh, but men kept winning it. So they used because Miles Franklin was a pen name and Stella was Miles Franklin's actual name, and so they did the Stella Prize just for women. Did you know that? Yeah, I did know. Okay, that, yeah. maybe everyone knew that except me. <laughs> maybe that's me being a New Zealander, but I thought that was quite cool. Um, and yeah, she, she's it's her first book ever. It's called Drop Bear. Um, so it only came out maybe a couple of uh, couple of 
I don't know, months ago maybe. Yeah. Um, and and uh, Araluan herself is from the Bundjalung people and um, was born on Darug land. Um, and it's it's supposed to be, <laughs> it's supposed to be pretty good. Yep. Um, I've st- I've started flicking through it. I, I um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and we we have a copy, and I, it's that's on my next reading list because it's it's supposed to be brilliant and really funny and really sort of um, razor sharp kind of. Uh, an innovative collection of poetry and prose from a vibrant new Indigenous voice on the Australian literary scene mm. is the way the publisher describes it. And um, from uh, my experience of going through the book, I would absolutely say that. Um, I should just point out as well that the Stella Prize includes non-fiction as well as fiction. Okay. Um, because uh, See What You Made Me Do was the winner last oh, year, which we talked about previously, I think. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, and it's also, it's a fascinating book, just not, not just in terms of uh, the fact that it's the first book of poetry to win the Stella Prize. Um, it's an Indigenous writer as well. But the the typesetting in the book mm. um, is really interesting as well. It is. Um, it, I, I, I'm not even going to try and read out <laughs> one of the poems because I, I just won't be able to do it justice. Um, but it's one of the things I, I always find really interesting about uh, poetry when it's written down as well, that the way you set out uh, the lines um, and the tabs and the spacing uh, can really make a big difference to the way you, you view uh, a poem or even to the way you read a poem. Definitely. And, um, there's some really interesting use of uh, uppercase letters and Spaces. Um, spacing. Yeah, it's like exactly. art, isn't it? The way it's, oh, it it's set out on the page. Yeah, it's beautiful. Exactly. It's, some really, it's, it's, it's very highly recommended. It's not a, uh, it's not a huge book. It's, it's um, reasonably small in size but uh, the the content is fantastic mm, it's supposed to be really funny too and, and sort of really uh, your views on australia and how how, how australians uh are viewed i suppose yeah. and yeah it's quite critical it's, it's clever and critical yes. at the same time exactly yes. it's uh the the blurb on the back i'll just read a small part of it this innovative mix of poetry and essay offers an eloquent witness to the entangled present an uncompromising provocation of history and an embattled but redemptive hope for a de- decolonial future. <laughs> nice. Beautiful. And I love that it's called Drop Bear. <laughs> I didn't know what that was. You had to explain that to me when I first moved to Australia. I, I've used that on a, a few um, foreign visitors yeah. from time to time. Yeah. I've managed to convince a couple of people that Drop Bears are real. I think my mum's listening in New Zealand. I'm not oh, sure. They are real, of course. <laughs> You've got to be really careful. They're dangerous. They just drop out of the sky onto you. They're like killer koalas. Yep. Yep. No? You don't no. believe me? No. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, well, let's listen to, may, maybe we'll listen to um, Annie DeFranco, uh, 32 Flavours, and then Patty Smith's Gloria. Sounds good to me. Radio Blue Mountains, 89.1 FM. Your local alternative to mainstream radio. A community station operated entirely by volunteers. Streaming live on www.rbm.com. .org.au That was PJ Harvey. Uh, what's the name of that song? Down by the Water, I think, isn't it? Down by the Water. <laughs> I thought we were leaving the singing to the artists. Exactly. But we can do the whispering. <laughs> Big fish, little fish. We had some actions going on here in the studio. Well, we. We. I, I, I was doing Big Fish, Little Fish swimming the royal in the water. We. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, we've only got 15 minutes left, uh, which is sad. But for those of you that have just tuned in, I'm Catherine and this is Zach. 
Uh, well, yes, this, this is, Zach. is Zach. Thank you. I don't know why I said it like that. Um, you're listening to Paperback Writer. It's a book show for all the paperback writers and readers. And hardback. In the world. And, well, if you, I suppose E-books, so. We probably. can lower ourselves to hardbacks. Blogs? No. Um, no, definitely not. <laughs> um, the show will be featuring book reviews, interviews with local Australian and international authors, new releases, literary awards, novel ideas, and as you've probably <laughs> picked up on so far, a lot of book-related puns. Apologies to, in advance. I need to do it so that sound bite the No, you don't. I'll just do it with my mouth. Yeah, thank you. Um, we are going to be recording these episodes too, and we'll upload them to our website. So if you have missed some of the show and you've enjoyed it, um, we, we have our sort of trial show. We did uh, 100% Aussie music uh, on Tuesday with mm-hmm. Ron. Uh, which was a lot of fun. And then, um, as we said, we'll be doing this show every first and third Sunday of the month. Um, so we'll be, be back in a couple of weeks, um, yeah, to, to talk more about books. And, yep. and if you didn't enjoy the show, too bad, what's wrong with you? Yeah, I think that says a lot about you rather than <laughs> our <Probably>. presenter skills. <laughs> um, yeah, so Rosie Ravelston Books, as we said earlier, it's R-O-S-E-Y and then R-A-V-E-L-S-T-O-N. Uh, Rosie Ravelston Books in Naughty Studios in Hazelbrook. And we'll be going there as soon as we finish this show. Um, so if you want to brave the rain and come and say hi, uh, we'll be there all day uh, until four. Um, yeah. You know you've uh, come up with a great business name when you have to spell it out every time. I know. And even <laughs> saying Naughty Studios, it's naughty like nautical, N-A-U-T-I. Yeah. Yep. I know, and that's why paperback writer people couldn't follow. I think so, yeah. Exactly. But better than book and art funkle. Paperback writer. I can't get that song out of my head. It's, it's catchy. Oh, ding, it. ding, 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 <laughs> ding. <laughs> All right, what do we want to talk about? Oh, I want to talk about Dracula Daily. That's what I want to talk what about. What is Dracula Daily? So, um, this is something that uh, my friend Alex uh, told me about, and it's. You know, Dracula by Bram Stoker. I'm aware of the concept. Have you read it? Because I'd never actually read it. No, but I have been to Whitby, <laughs> the, the, the place where I think it was written. I think Dracula was written in Whitby. Well, he's it? an Irish writer, so I actually don't know where he wrote it. But, but, but Whitby's famous for Dra- for vampires. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, well, little, I haven't little got coastal town in uh, the north of England. And I haven't got there yet. Like, I've just started, so maybe sure. it'll... I mean, because everyone knows the story of Dracula. Well, actually... I mean, you know he's a vampire. Spoiler alert. I do. I remember <laughs> being in Whitby and going into a Dracula-themed oh, uh, horror house <laughs> with, with Catherine. I'm such a worst. <laughs> it, it was Even one of the like, funniest moments of my life. I was just like, It's like the off Catherine Tate, you know, the rice bubbles <laughs> go off and you scream. That was what I was for, doing. There for about... 15 minutes, I think, walking <laughs> through the haunted house and it was just... And oh. it wasn't even... I don't want to say it wasn't a good haunted house, I, but it wasn't a particularly <laughs> scary one, but I, I was in my own head. Oh, I still have uh, the finger marks <laughs> in my arm and the, and the nail imprint and when I from get, Catherine holding on. So <laughs> And when I get nervous, I just start giggling. <laughs> so I was just giggling and... Sc- oh. Especially when the live actors kept popping out. No, live actor. Uh, actor, the one. sorry, who kept changing outfits. And oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was so much fun. Best two pounds we've it ever spent. It was amazing. <laughs> Um, anyway. Anyway, so Dracula Daily. Um, the, the, the way that Dracula, the book, is set up, it's, it's a bunch of journal entries um, and uh, by the main character, Jonathan. Now's the point that I forget everything I'm saying, of course. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the, the way that Dracula Daily has, has uh, worked it out so that it's delivered to your email inbox as it happens. So you sign up to a website, is that right, to get... Emails. Yeah, so just Dracula 
daily.substack.com but if you just search Dracula Daily and so the whole all of Dracula is set between May 3rd and November 10th and so they'll post a newsletter each day that something happens to the characters in the timeline that it happens to them so say theoretically you know something bad happens and then you don't hear anything for two months whoa and so every day you're going, oh my gosh, so what's happened? Like, I'm not going to yeah. say too much. So I'm currently catching up because I, I only heard about this last week. Um, so you can go on the website and actually catch up to where you're up to. And they're all in little, uh, I don't know, digestible chunks, I yeah, suppose. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so you're following it as it happens to the characters and, and what's happening. And, and I'm really enjoying it. It's a really interesting way to read a book. And I remember Twitter did some of this when, mm. I was going to say when Twitter's big. Is Twitter still big? Um, I don't really I know. I think it is. It's no TikTok <laughs> for, for all for the, our young the youngsters ballistas. out there. But, um, <laughs> oh, <gosh>. You're embarrassing <laughs> yourself. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's a really interesting way to read a book. So what I was thinking is we could read, and anyone who's listening, mm-hmm. uh, and then we could kind of talk about what's happening, uh, what's been happening in the updates. Yeah. I think that'd be really fun. because like it's idea. And, and it's interesting because, you know, you know about vampires and you know about Dracula, and it's quite funny reading it. And, and you have to sort of remind yourself to go in fresh mm. because it seems very, you know, the villagers were crossing their chests and holding rosary beads and the eye sources were red and, you know, all the tropes. Why that, were they doing that? Well, you'll have to read and find so out. strange. <laughs> but the point is, you know, it's all this, cli- what, what we see as cliche, yeah. you know, things to do with vampires. But actually he, he probably came up with a lot of this. Like he didn't invent Dracula, mm. um, but... but um, this was the, the OG vampire story. <laughs> the, the OG. I've heard kids say that. I'm not exactly kids, sure what, what I mean, Kids, what kids? What kids have said that? Um, the ones on TikTok. Yeah, exactly. The t- oh, the TikTokers can't get enough of the OG. <laughs> I'm really, I'd like Draculas. to apologise uh, <laughs> For Zach, and unfortunately, he's in the controls. Otherwise, I'd turn his mic off. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's been really good reading. Cool. Um, so yeah, Dracula Daily, it's called, and I, I, I May third and November tenth. Mm. So um, there might be, you know, between our because our shows are only every two weeks. Between that, maybe nothing happens. Maybe heaps happens, mm. and it's kind of a little. I don't know. I get excited when I see it, you know, come in my inbox. I'm yeah. like, yay. Let's uh, <laughs> find out what's happening. It's a really interesting um, concept as well because I know there have been other books that have been delivered in this kind of thing. You were talking a bit about Twitter before. But well, and Chris from Book Club was saying someone did World War Two on Twitter. Yeah. Like, <laughs> very committed. Yeah, very committed. <laughs> very committed. committed. So yeah. every day would say this is what happened yeah. on this day in yeah. World War Two over how many years you and know? I've, I've seen uh, I know on Instagram I've seen people release uh, snippets of their entire book over the course of a, a year yeah. or so that kind of thing it's it's interesting to see how uh, writers uh, especially such a traditional medium as writing a, a paperback book um, moving using technology to kind of expand the reach uh, yeah. of readership and the like um, and uh, you know it's really good to see and it's even, creative even the advent of audiobooks yeah. as well to a certain extent has let people uh, consume writing in a, in a different way, but it's it's exciting to see, and it um, works really well with Dracula, yeah, and especially because the main character, like the first, the very first entry, he, he's you know talking about what he's seeing. He's like, I had this uh, to eat, or something, I don't know, meat and potatoes, or something. I, I'm being vague, yep. uh, and then must ask for the recipe. <laughs> you know, like it's <laughs> it's really interesting, um, and yeah, and, and having it split up into all those, you know. <laughs> Having it split up into <laughs> 12 Dracula emails. Ah, 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 ah. Ah. <laughs> I was laughing. I couldn't even get that one out. 
<laughs> I think you've got your characters mixed up, I'm afraid. Yeah, well, vampire, vampire. What's that, what's Same it's from Sesame Street. Yeah, what's, the, what's the, the name of the character? I want to say... Counselor. Ca- Something like that? No, ca- what? Counselor. <laughs> Countula. Is that your therapist? Count. Oh, no, I've, I've lost it now. The Count. The Count. <laughs> the Count. Yeah, I, I can't remember. Any, anyone who's... I'm listening think, and remembers the name of I'm that character. I'm thinking Count Chocula, but I think it's that's a cereal. That's, that's, um, it's definitely not Counselor. Sure <laughs> <It's scary. laughs> uh, so you, you, you've got you've got um, another two hours of this nonsense coming up in a couple of weeks, everybody. So get ready. And the poor people who tune. Send your alarm. <laughs> <laughs> the poor people who are on the other two weeks from us. <laughs> Probably so organised and everything so smooth. Exactly. And then we're just like can't even remember the name of a character. <laughs> Um, look, we're coming towards the end of the show. Um, oh, wait. Keep... Uh, we could say thanks for listening. We could, but we wouldn't. <laughs> we would never do that. Stop. Oh, you're the only person who finds that funny. Thanks. <laughs> uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time uh, with Paperback Writer to talk about more books and nonsense puns. Yeah, and as we said, we're gonna, we, you know, we've had a lot of author talks at our shop uh, so we'll, you know, we'll get some of those authors, and there's some really awesome Blue Mountains uh, authors out there, and it'd be great to have them in and chat to them, and you know, find out what's happening. There's, there's a very creative place to live, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, yeah, it's fantastic. So I think we might um, close out with a couple of Spanish language songs. Oh yeah, these are a good one to yeah. get you going for the day. Exactly. I'm not exactly sure what they. Um, uh, the lyrics necessarily, so apologies if there's any Spanish swearing in them, but I'm pretty sure there's not. Uh, well, and but, I was uh, thinking, they're just good, fun songs. And I was thinking how we're going to actually uh, introduce them because my, my Spanish isn't great, but I'll try. Yep. Uh, so the first one is it Bomba Esatero? No, the first one is Anya Tijo. I think, je, yeah, Tijo. 1977 is the name of the song. And then Bomba Esotero, yes, Soy Yo. that's a perfect and, one to end Oh, on. it's so good. And watch the video if you can. Watch the video. Soy Yo is an S-O-Y space Y-O. It's amazing. It's this sassy little kid. I love it. And it's just a really great song to, yeah. to get up and dance to. So we'll be cranking this up in our car on the way down <laughs> to uh, Naughty Studios. Um, you know, stay safe out there, stay warm. Um, and, and thanks for listening to us. This has been so much fun. Yeah, I really like doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it again in two weeks' time. You're listening to Paperback Writer with Catherine. And Zach. <laughs> the smooth sound's still funny. It's not. Uh, on Radio Blue Mountains, 89.1 FM.